Hello, lovelies, and welcome to another edition of LGBT in the Ring, your rainbow bastion for all things pro wrestling. I am your host, Brian Bell, here with you once again on the Outsports Podcast Network. Whew, we have a doozy of a show this week, if I do must say so myself. Uh, before we get to that, though, I do want to thank everyone who tuned in last week for my interview with Logan Black. Um, the response has been outstanding and, you know, I know Logan has been very, very appreciative on social media and, you know, I'm very appreciative of him being willing to share more about his, his story on the show, like so many others before him, um, on this show as well. So shout out to everyone that tuned into that show. And now that you're back here again with us this week, uh, we are going to be chatting all about MV Young's Polyam Cult Party 3. Yes, I know we're a tiny bit late. It's been a little bit more than a week since um, <laughs> since the show uh, took place on April 24th, but we are making up for that lost time with a dearth of discussion about the show, and I am very happy to have my guests this week to talk all about it. Two people that were there live in the backyard of the Polyam Mansion, uh, from the Grit and Glitter podcast, the the recently independent, now Grit and Glitter podcast, after uh, splitting away from the Pro Wrestling Torch, M. Fear and Meg Fair are both here to uh, to chat all about what went down in the backyard of that Pittsburgh trap house a little over a week ago. Um, just so many outstanding matches, just overbooked to the nines uh, with outstanding talent and yeah it was just a great show all around and we're going to talk all about it for you here today Um, but a couple of things I wanted to hit before we get into that conversation as well Um, one pertains directly to pro wrestling and the history of pro wrestling because um, since we last uh, dropped an episode History was made, um, or at least the announcement of history that is coming up was made. Um, Paris is bumping. Solid Gold 21 is coming up on July 10th, and we now know one of the main events for sure. Um, it's going to be Edith Surreal versus Mariah Moreno in the first ever pro wrestling main event to feature all trans women. It is an amazing thing to see. I know uh, Billy has been very, very excited online um, you know, speaking about this match. A lot of, not just Billy Dixon, though. Everyone that is, you know, I previously engaged with Paris is bumping, you know, the debut event last year or has been following the the LGBTQ community within pro wrestling for the past few years. Like, this is a moment that will always stick in their brains. Like this is this is a, a first, an actual pro wrestling first, um, in an industry that doesn't have that many more firsts to have. Um, it's amazing to think that we're almost it's like been a hundred years now for pro wrestling and we're still making firsts. You know, you would hope that some of these things might have happened sooner, but it doesn't matter because you know this is just another example of a community carving out their own place uh, with someone like Billy Dixon spearheading it and putting two qualified, outstanding in-ring competitors into the ring against one another um, at a show that 
literally celebrates, you know, trans identities, identities of the queer people of color. Like, it celebrates all these connections between ballroom and pro wrestling. And it's just, it's the perfect environment for this kind of moment to happen. And it's going to be outstanding. Um, whatever it does take place in, you know, a couple of months here now. Um, and I'm so happy to see that Billy was able to, like, sell tickets and have people there live in the building for this one safely, um, you know, with strict COVID restrictions put in place. Um, I don't know. It's just Paris's bumping sequel is just shaping up to be all around uh, a grand time. And I... I can't wait to see it. I'm genuinely excited. <laughs> um, and then the other thing I wanted to touch on before we jump into uh, Poly M Cult Party 3 coverage is a bit more personal for me. Um, so one of the sites that made me want to get into journalism in the first place was a video game site uh that goes by the name Giant Bomb. Um, I've been a, uh, a follower of of Giant Bomb uh, for t- twelve years now. God, it feels so like cr- like not crushing, but like maybe a little bit crushing to say that. But either way, I've been follow like I've been you know a member of that community for a long time. I followed them for a long time. A lot of their approach to creating content, um, whether it be written or video or podcasts, has really influenced a lot of how I've built out my own approaches in, in, in that way um, to similar fields. And, you know, news came down this week that three of the tent poles of that company, uh, Brad Shoemaker, Vinny Caravella, and Alex Navarro, are leaving. And, you know, I know this is a pro wrestling show, but I wouldn't be here if I had not found Giant Bomb when I did and had not engaged with it enough to realize that I do have the chance to kind of have my voice out there. You know, they were like, you know, whenever we had accident report on the show the first time like I spoke about how the nobodies really showed that I had a, I could put my voice out there too I mean the nobodies and giant bomb are probably the two places that really um, made me feel like I had a voice it made me feel like I can express it you know no matter whether I'm talking about video games or comic books or movies or tech or queer news or pro wrestling or um, anything, anything that I put my fingers on the keyboard or speaking to this microphone to, to cover, like all of that I owe um, in some way, at least part of the foundation of that to Giant Bomb. And the site's not going away. Um, you know, they're going to, um, it's going to be continuing on, but and I know that, like, I don't know, I've never met Vinny or Alex or, Brad and like they don't know me I don't know them um, but if by any chance they hear this in any way shape or form I just want to say thank you for being part of something that was magical and that was truly inspiring um, 
thank you. Thank you so much. And I am excited to see what all three of you have going for you uh, in the future. And I'm excited to see where Giant Bomb goes from here. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to take a moment to, to talk about all that stuff. Now, um, let's talk all about Polyam Cult Party 3 with Megfair and Mfear. And oh, <laughs> I do want to correct one thing that I said that I um, from this conversation. Uh, and that is the fact that when I start talking about queer identities that were on this show... I did not talk about the fabulous segment with Eddie McQueen during the scrumble match. I just have to shout out Eddie McQueen real quick because um, Eddie trading a pinfall for a Louis Vuitton bag um, is just, it's so Eddie and I love it. I love it so much. I love pro wrestling. Let's talk about the rest of the show. Polly and Cult Party 3 here on LGBT in the Ring. What's up, guys, gals, and non-binary pals? Welcome back to LGBT in the Ring. And as promised, we are talking MV Young's Polyam Cult Party number three this week. And I have two wonderful guests to do that with me today. From the Grit and Glitter podcast, uh, two of the main people in the Glitterati. First off, uh, the returning M Fair. How you doing, M? Good, Brian. Happy to be back. Of course. So glad to have you back as well. And for the first time on this show, um, Meg Fair, welcome to the show. Thanks for having. Howdy, howdy. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously, like I, M, you came on last time. There was a Polyam Cult party to talk about your mm -hmm. experiences there. And, you know, part of the reason why I love having you on and adding Meg to, to the mix here as well is because you both are local to Pittsburgh. Mm -hmm. You're both uh, local to the Pittsburgh wrestling scene as well, obviously with Meg being the uh, ring announcer and backstage interviewer for Enjoy Wrestling now at this point. But uh, pertinent to what we're talking about today, you both were on the ground live at the Polyam Mansion for the show. So before we get into anything about the, the show itself, I just want to get like both of your uh, perspectives heading into this show, like being uh, from the area and being able to be there in person. Like what um, what were your expectations heading into it and um, what whatever you got to to the Pollyann Mansion? Um, what did that what kind of feeling did that give you? Ooh, that's a really good question. Meg, you were at the, at the second one, right? Yes. Okay. I, I assume so, yeah. Um, did it, well, I guess it was different for you because your band was playing. And so there was a whole nother element of being there um, where you were like on the card, so to speak. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I mean, for me, it was different in that like I had a certain level of expectation based from the second one I went to with no expectations whatsoever. Just like, I don't know what this is, but it sounds rad and I really want to go. Um, and it's in a random backyard in an undisclosed location in, in <laughs> Pittsburgh. And um, I had a blast considering how little I knew going in. And this time it was like the expectations I think for everybody were higher. Um, not necessarily of like the show was not stellar the second time around, but it was just like there was so much even more momentum for the third party. There was a bigger roster. It was a bigger card. It, was, it, it seemed like it was going to be a bigger deal, even though it was still in that same backyard location so like we had to wait outside the backyard to like get in for a little while and it was like oh there's a line there's a queue this time Ooh. 
Oh, okay. Well, that was a pretty dainty, but it felt like, I think I saw this on, on, um, one of the news articles of leading into uh, the event that like it's the Lollapalooza of indie wrestling, and it really did kind of feel like that. It felt like going to like like wrestling Coachella, um, but I would never go to Coachella, so this is like as close as I get. So maybe I I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Meg, what was it like for you? I the I will say that um, the last Polyam Cult party was so fun and I went into it very similarly kind of not knowing exactly what to expect besides knowing that it felt like a house show and I am from a you know DIY punk background and so house shows are some of the most like intimate exciting shows you can go to because you're just like right there with the performers and so This time around, being able to actually be a part of it and perform on it was like nerve wracking because we were really excited. But I mean, obviously with the pandemic, we hadn't played a show in over a year and we were playing in this like what felt like a big deal. Like people who I didn't know on the internet were talking about how they were excited for the event. And I was like, and I wasn't sure if he would even be on the Twitch stream or not, but uh, this time around, I was really, really excited because, well, one, I was going to play first and then I could just enjoy the show, which I don't know how Envy wrestles in the middle of producing a show because that's my worst logistical nightmare. But uh, it was so exciting to know that like we were going to play and then my bandmates and the people that I like brought were going to like get to see the full spectacle of exactly why I love professional wrestling. Um, and it did not disappoint at all. <laughs> um, I, I really do think that these shows flourish because they have that house show feel and you get to banter with the wrestlers and you're like right in the middle of all of it. So I definitely was super excited because I felt really emotionally invested in the storylines that were being built. And then seeing them executed was like it was unbelievable it was very very cool no i i definitely agree with with both of y'all in like it it had that that comparison to uh, the like diy punk mentality always comes up whenever mb is involved in anything it seems like um especially these events like every polyam cult party has really exuded that attitude um and and i'll agree with with you meg i uh, don't know how he wrestles in the middle of a card that he's producing like that like when i i spoke to him before like a week before i think everything went down and like he seems so stressed i can only imagine what he was on day of so this is out there but um that punk vibe does come through in in the fact that that your band Meg did open the show performing opened the Twitch stream like we were talking a little bit before we, we hit the record button about that but like tell me a little bit more about that experience of actually having your band playing in a wrestling ring yes <laughs> so uh we arrived and uh i kind of like i knew the layout of the backyard from the last one and so we're like starting to bring stuff into the backyard and envy's like okay you can like i'm gonna have this meeting and then you can start putting your stuff in the ring and we were like oh, oh in the ring okay um <laughs> and so uh it was very funny to uh 
watch two people who have never stepped foot in a wrestling ring not only get into a wrestling ring but load music gear <laughs> into a wrestling <laughs> ring um i had to teach them to wipe their feet every time they like got to the you know ring apron which was really funny um but yeah we were like opening the ropes like we were letting in a valet as we were like loading our kick drum and stuff. And it was absolutely ridiculous and very bouncy. Like anytime our guitarist, Chris, like started to get a little wild, I was like, oh my God, my, my shit's about to fall over. <laughs> um, like at the end there, like, I don't know if you could see on the Twitch stream, but like Chris really was like jumping and I was like, <laughs> Like trying to like keep a straight face, but be like, oh my God, oh my, my symbols are going to fall over. Um, but they didn't and it was fine. Uh, but it was so fun and a really strange and dynamic um, place to play music. But yeah, it, it was very bouncy. So for any musicians hoping to play inside of a wrestling ring, like prepare yourself that your equipment is going to bounce and you just got to roll with it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's it, it made for a sight. I, I will say that much. So I'm glad you survived the battle with, with your drum kit. There. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yes, I am too. <laughs> <laughs> um, but another thing that, that you said, Meg, that I think applies to something that Em and I talked about on the, the last show that we, when we covered the second Polyam Cult Party was um, that it felt like a house show. And of course, house show has like a different meaning in a wrestling parlance. And this show kind of combined the two of like your, your punk house show as well as your wrestling house show. The second event felt much more like a house show in that it didn't have a ton. It wasn't like a story-based event for the most part. You obviously had a few matches in there that had those elements, most notably probably Billy Dixon and Jared Evans, the main event there. But for the most part, it was just like, we're going to have a bunch of kick-ass wrestlers on and we're going to put on some kick-ass wrestling matches and have fun in the backyard and just mm -hmm. drink and holler. This one had that element but it also added in a whole lot more story to it. Um, M, looking back at the second show and, and moving to the third show, like, did you feel like that, did that feel like a natural progression to you? Yeah, a lot of the stories that um, kind of came through the second, that kind of came through the second event and worked their way through a lot of different shows um, in this region's indies and into like a lot of the shows that happened throughout WrestleMania weekend and et cetera, um, they they came to fruition or they they traveled through this party uh, this event a lot a lot more prominently so there were a lot more running storylines to like kind of keep track of and but the cool thing like with these shows because of the house vibe is like you don't need to know that all, all the wrestlers are really really good at being able to like sell whatever they're selling regardless of if you know the backstory or not that's wrestling like they just can do it so, you know, I'm sitting around with a bunch of people who like some of whom have been following it and some of whom know who Darius Carter is and some of whom are like, who's this really intimidating, intense person who's standing in front of me, like glaring like bullets into my body. Like that's that, that it, either one is totally fine and legit. But this one did have a lot more rewards if you are kind of paying attention to the storylines that are running through a couple of promotions in this region. So it definitely it definitely felt like there was a little bit more continuity at play and the promise that things that happened at the show are going to carry through elsewhere, which is really neat. It's like, 
there's this whole marriage and idea. MV was talking about how like, you know, he has to keep kind of correcting people that it's not a promotion. Like it's not a promotion. It's an event. Um, it's a party. So that means that anything that happens at this place can happen, can go on and take place in any other promotion, in any other event. Like it doesn't belong to MV and the polyam cult parties. It belongs to the wrestlers who are creating these stories, which I think is so cool because it's like, it's art and story and creativity and talent that they all get to use wherever they go. And it's all going to get them noticed and it's all going to get attention. It's going to make audiences happy no matter where they take it. So yeah, it's, it's really cool. It's neat to see all these stories kind of really uh, blossom in this third wave. Mm. Yeah, and, and honestly, like seeing those stories that are specific to the area there come through, like most notably, we had the saga of the Rise Grand Championship on this show. Like, could y'all speak to like, <laughs> could y'all speak to like what exactly like, because I think, you know, people that haven't, that don't follow Rise and haven't followed like, you know, Commander Sterling and David Lawless's like, like grasp on that championship there and Ziggy's like journey through pro wrestling that led to a, one of the more emotional moments in pro wrestling in recent years at the end mm-hmm. of that show. Like, could y'all speak to like how the, what those storylines coming into this event um, were bringing to the table? Uh, so I don't know if I mentioned this uh, like last time I was here because I know that there was some Rise personnel involved in the last Polyam cult party, but Rise is my favorite local promotion. Rise is by far my favorite local promotion. No shame to enjoy. You know, I love Enjoy too, <laughs> but but they're the new kids. And I've been following Rise since I got into like independent wrestling um, a couple of years ago. And so it is so cool to see where Ziggy has come in the couple of years that I've been following her career and following the Rise Championship. Um, the Rise Championship is like has a really great pedigree. There's been a lot of really great people who've held it. Lee Moriarty, who was the current IWTV champ, was their champion for a while. Um, they've had a really great run of champions and their their recent one, David Lawless, has been just like one of those like stellar vets of the local wrestling scene in this region. Like, you know, one of those guys who like with, you don't need to know anything about him and you immediately see him and you get it. You get what he's doing. He's a real life lawyer whose gimmick is a lawyer. The first time I saw him was at a like grocery parking lot lucha show in Beachview, um, harassing a bunch of Mexican-American immigrants for their papers and getting his ass handed to him to the delight of the entire crowd, which is like pro wrestling and lucha to a T. Um, that was, that's kind of gives you an idea of who David Lawless is. And so getting to see Ziggy take the championship specifically from him was especially delightful because she's had a run of really great matches in Rise. I mean, she's had a run of great matches, period. But like in Rise, I've gotten to see some of the best intergender work that I've seen in pro wrestling with Ziggy and the work that she's done through that promotion. So it was really great to see her win that. And she, uh, as we have noted, like has been, is the first champion of this region's like local independence. So like she is the first like she's the first woman to hold a like main title from one of the local companies, which is really big. It's a, it's a really big deal. And when you're an independent wrestling fan and a local wrestling fan from Pittsburgh and you are a non-cis male, that is exciting. For sure. Yeah. Megan, you had any <laughs> thoughts on that as well? <laughs> I, um, I, I think that we are of similar experience, but I, I really love wrestling and independent wrestling and in pittsburgh 
something that is kind of difficult is that for a long time, I feel like there has been this void for people that are not dudes Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, to have space in kind of like get their flowers and get their time, which is frustrating because so many of the best characters and performers are not guys. And that's not to say there aren't talented male wrestlers in Pittsburgh. That's obviously like insane to say, (laughs) but um, to have the opportunity to have someone who I consider to be like one of the best wrestlers in Pittsburgh, like Ziggy is so good. And so for her to hold that title is so exciting because it just opens up this like world of possibility um, for some amazing storylines, some amazing feuds. But also I think a lot of people who are training right now are going to see that and be like, oh, I have a place here. Like I could be a champ someday as well. And I think that that's really, really exciting. Mm. Yeah. I hope it brings more attention to Rise as a promotion because Rise has been doing a lot of really amazing work for years. And because of where they were based out in Connellsville, they weren't getting quite the like attention from like the kind of blossoming um, wrestling crowd that's coming into independent wrestling right now. Like the kind of people, the kind of fans who are, are attracted to things like MV Young's events. And Connellsville is a hike, but um, they're no longer going to be operating out of Connellsville. They're going to be operating much, much closer to the city once they start again. So I'm excited for there to be a greater synergy between the fans who have like discovered Enjoy Wrestling to find um, to find out all the great things that are happening with Rise. Because uh, just like Ziggy is is the just the tip of the iceberg. There's so many great people who come through there, and um, the fact that they have. A- kind of environment and the kind of championship and the kind of just booking mentality where like anybody could be their champion that attracted me to the promotion right away mm-hmm. what was it what was the mood in the backyard there of the polyam mansion whenever the that three count landed to end the show and you saw ziggy just bawling just gasping for air slapping the championship and just screaming i fucking did this <laughs> i'm like emotional now yeah <laughs> Not yeah. me, not me crying on a podcast about <laughs> Ziggy winning the Rise Championship. Um, it was like moving, not only because it was a great match and the emotion was there. Like even people who did not know that storyline have not followed Ziggy's career, felt that impact. Like we're really excited and moved by that. But like to look over at the corner where the other wrestlers were and see like all of these Pittsburgh people who have come up with Ziggy crying and like cheering was like, it just like compounded that because it was already a great story and it was an amazing match. And then you have this like, you know, non kayfabe element of just like seeing this whole roster of her peers who are so fucking proud of her um and it's it was really really special yeah and it's all happening in like the rain as the like light is getting dimmer because the weather was getting cruddier and cruddier and you know it had been a long card it was like it was a fun event but it was a long show especially as the weather started to turn um, and I think that moment just galvanized everyone. Like, this is what we stayed for. Like, this is, this is it. Like we stayed for the camaraderie. We stayed because we're part of this, but like we stayed specifically to see this moment. And it was so rewarding because, you know, if if you had done that whole show and ended things with her not taking the belt and it kind of feeling like, you know, the, the, 
the heel still has got the championship and it's raining and it's cold. I feel like we all just would have felt a little bit downer, like leaving that, that event, just a little down, you know, like still oh, happy sure. to have been there, but like, what a note to send people off on. What a note to like, be like, wow, that's, that's the way to close this. That's the way to end this event. No. And I, I love both points. And honestly, like it just cements the fact that like the polyam cult party is now three for three with main events that just speak further than what pro wrestling traditionally does in, in a lot of ways. So um, just keep knocking it out of the park MB, if you're listening. Um, anyway, so beyond Ziggy, obviously there were a lot of other like heavy thematic moments, but the show also had a glut of pro wrestlers and matches on it. I think the one thing that MV has said to multiple places heading into this show was that this card was overbooked to hell. Um, <laughs> which <laughs> is, is true, but it's a good problem to have in many ways. Um, obviously, we didn't get to see every match that was originally advertised because of the weather. You know, mm-hmm. uh, PB Smooth and Big Calix didn't happen. And of course, main event versus main event will happen as another main event somewhere down the line. But um, we still had a ton of matches to, to run through here. And rather than go through match by match, um, because we'll be here for like three hours, um, <laughs> I'd rather like get, tell me like one or two matches that really stood out to you um, or spoke to you that, that, that you carried with as you left. You want to go first, Meg? Sure. Um, I think it was definitely one of those events where I I have a terrible memory. And so um, <laughs> it's important to know that. Uh, I enjoyed every match. Do I have a clear memory of all the matches? No, my brain doesn't work like that. But um, I have to say on like sheer storytelling and like, crowd engagement I was so impressed with MV and Jody because Mm. Jody at the last party was like goofy and funny and he was like great to watch but like he won his first match on that card by accident right like (laughs) you know like it was it was this this kind of like silly thing and to have by the end of that match people like booing and jeering at Envy and rooting for Jody was just like such a testament to the work those two put in and the chemistry that they have in the ring. I truly, truly, truly was blown away by that. Um, Mm -hmm. It's also very funny because I feel like everyone who was sitting around me was like so thirsty for that match um there was a little something for everybody you know uh which very is very true. which is very funny um I have to say like there were so many moments in this show that I was really like I just fundamentally was impressed with the work that people were doing and like how hard how hard people were going, especially once it started to rain. Every match that happened in the rain, like I was nervous, so nervous, so, so nervous. Um, And, uh, but it was amazing to see people just like push through that. Mm -hmm. Um, Underrated, I will say, was at the top of the show, Mm -hmm. Darius and Pinky 
I love a comedy match. I love a comedy match where they're stalling because there are tech issues, but you don't know that there are tech issues because they're just selling this hilarious story. It was like, it was so, it was so good. It was so, so good. Um, yeah, I thought that it was so much fun. Um, and I have I love, to say- I love Piggy Sanchez so much. Uh, I love Piggy Sanchez. How could you not? Pinky Sanchez is like if the butthole surfers created a wrestler. Yes. Like if the music of the butthole surfers generated a human being who was a wrestler, that would be Pinky Sanchez. I I was so psyched to see him on the card last time because I didn't know he was going to be on the card last time. And so when he was on it this time and they led things off between him and Darius, I when he climbed up, into, we were sitting next to this tree and when he climbed up into this tree next to us, he's just kind of hanging out and like, like waving to us below him and I'm just like you could just stay up there all day buddy that's fine like just just hang out there for the rest of the show uh they did great um they are just complete polar opposites energy wise but like both like delivering so so much and you're right Meg like it did not feel like stalling like it felt perfectly in line with Pinky to be like to be sauntering around the ring and not entering and like drawing this out for as long as he could. It felt perfectly in line with the characters. It didn't feel forced at all. It was a really, really well done on both those those uh, wrestlers' parts. Yeah, I, I just like, I don't know. I think that there is something to be said when you can put two people together that are like such good foils character-wise <laughs> too. Um, which I think that there was a lot of that on that show, like putting two wrestlers together who are just like spiritually opposites. Um, <laughs> like, I mean, even just like Lee versus Charles, like yes. Lee is this like wholesome, wonderful, amazing, like talented, beloved local wrestler. And then you just have this like horrible, rich serial killer. <laughs> <laughs> Charles um, Mason, man, what like dark, dark energy he's got. I had never seen him wrestle live and wow, like who? And, and you're right, which I suppose with Lee, it's like, it works so, so well. That whole match and then with the like aftermatch um, with, with Xavier coming in and announcing his, um, like renaming his, his evolution, um, it was yeah just really like beautiful storytelling and really like a weird intense emotional point in the show at a point where like we'd already gone through MV and jody we'd already had like a ton of like different multi-man matches and scrambles and things and so it was just like you know every time you felt like you were a little spent there was something else to like latch on to and it's like oh my god i could keep feeling things okay cool <laughs> 100 so percent. <laughs> also the fact like i don't know that this would land anywhere else but the fact that like i literally could start an ether rich chant at charles mason and have an entire yard of people join meg, in I meg is my forever hero <laughs> meg is my forever hero for that thank you meg i have lived out my dream of getting to chant eat the rich at a wrestling show so the pleasure is all mine truly truly i said i'm just gonna try it and we'll see how it goes. And to see it sprinkle around the yard, I was like, you know what? We're in good company. 
it's such a weird environment to start chants because like people will pick it up but like you would hear this like kind of echo effect and no one was in sync with each other so when the chants really took hold like the eat the rich chant like you could tell people were especially into it because like it actually like we could actually sync together a little bit um that match was followed up by ali cat and molly and like so ali is going through her like her dark timeline of um, Alley Catch and being a heel. And man, if you had told me a couple months ago that Alley Cat was going to be heel, I'd be like, she can't, that, that's not going to work. Like, how is Alley Cat going to be heel? I'm impressed. Like, wow. Wow. Basically yeah. just stripping away all the like joy and like vivaciousness and replacing with like kind of cold steel fury. That's yeah that's the recipe and it works really really well and against molly it's fantastic because molly's just this ball of energy and i it, yeah i love this match i thought it was really great and this is when the rain was like starting to really steadily come down and both both performers managed to work it really really well so yeah that was that was a really like one two punch there between charles and lee and then ali and, and molly I was like scared when someone in the crowd was like, go alley cat. And she was like, who the fuck said that? I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah right. All of like, like pointing. We're like, it was that guy. Like I will not name the person I'm with who has like a giant crush on Allie. They know who they are. Um, who's listening to this, but they, <laughs> they like, they like, like kind of lead backwards when that happened. And I was like, uh Oh, what's happening to you? <laughs> <laughs> God, Alley Catch is such an interesting like juxtaposition to what Alley Cat was. And I and I I am here for it. I'm here for going through the valley to come out the other side as to whatever new form Alley Cat catch, whoever she determines herself to be, um, is on the other side of this. You know, sometimes the journey is that make us the most are the darkest so and it was a lot of that on on this show <laughs> yes oh my gosh there was so much of that on this show there was so much flexibility with how people could portray their gimmicks and like who they were and it's one of the beautiful things of having a show that's not married to promotion is that you're not married to a specific storyline unless you want to be so there were a lot of people who carried over storylines and feuds and and you know in jokes and things from other shows but there was a lot of playfulness when it came to like who knows who and who is who is what like who who like what's happening there was some fun stuff in the um the big 11 person elimination match with that it was just like lots of people playing off of each other lots of different personalities lots of people i'd never seen live before or a couple of people i actually hadn't heard of and some of that stuff is bled into twitter and like it'll be fun to see that possibly pop up in other promotions and shows people get to like have fun and uh you know wrestle but also like get to like grow their characters that way too which is really cool to see and like i know the audience appreciates it because who doesn't want to see someone having fun yeah for sure the the, the scrumble match um which have, have y'all gone back to listen to the 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 commentary on that it. I need to. Who's on commentary, by the so way? So it was Darnell Mitchell, formerly of Uncanny Attractions. Yes, that's uh, right. Big Purse was on there, and then Scotty Cerriti, um were on there for most of the show. I believe near the end, it was just Purse and Darnell. Yes. But... How could I forget? Because when the rain started coming down, it was yes. Purse and yes. Darnell under one umbrella, and it was it adorable. Was so cute. It was so, so cute. <laughs> so and Darnell, Purse... of course, is dressed to the, I mean, dressed. Oh, 
like gorgeous because that's him exactly. and like they're just under this like big umbrella and it was it was too cute it's too cute for words i will say this from the perspective of someone who was watching it on twitch um i did not realize that the commentary section was just like a corner of the yard i thought it was like up on the the awning you know where it was last time and i found <laughs> that out later obviously and i felt <laughs> was, so so bad was... They were just sitting like they're like kind of close to the fire, but not far from where for where Bridget and I sat the first time at the second volume co party. So they, like I didn't even know there was commentary running there until I just kind of noticed. I was like, "Wait, they have mics? Okay, that's where commentary is." And they're seated like right next to like audience members. Oh, <laughs> uh, but um, the the scrumble match though, which by the way, definitely M, go back and listen to the commentary on that because the whole saga of Scotty and Darnell convincing Purse that scrumble is actually a word was a uh, pretty good thumbs up stuff there uh, throughout this match. But also the match itself, like had a, like you said, it created a lot of fun moments that can play out in, in other arenas. We're already seeing that Mikey Banger, Aspen, mm-hmm. um, Sandra Moon, all the simping that is coming out of this match. I swear to God, it's just beautiful to behold. But one thing that was very like, um, prescient and and powerful to me in that match was the return of ryan zane um mm. because you know ryan like i mean i'm gonna I'll, I'll put it out there so what ryan you know came out publicly with allegations of, of sexual assault against you know rick Cataldo from a matter of pride in december of 2019 and you know he hasn't really stepped in a wrestling ring that much since then i mean he talked back then he talked about losing like his real sense of having a place in pro wrestling for the longest time and to see him come back on this show and not just not just wrestle a match but actively look like he is having fun and has refound his place in this business after like experiencing such a tr- like surviving that kind of trauma um was truly like powerful um to see yeah, absolutely. I was, I, I don't remember the last time I saw him on a card. And so it was really cool to see him in the scramble. And I, I think that everything you said, Brian, is a really good point and kind of speaks to the mentality and like the environment and the atmosphere at, at these events where like wrestlers who have every reason to be, to feel especially vulnerable and to be especially cautious and to possibly feel as if like there's not a safe place for them in wrestling like these environments prove that to be wrong to prove that prove them to them that there are places for them to wrestle where they are going to be cared for and um the the attention they receive is going to be positive and welcoming and supportive and not exploitive and yeah so i it i think it speaks i think it's like just speaks volumes that um someone with the the trauma that he had faced is on a card like this because i think that shows a lot of like respect and a lot of trust in the people behind this show and specifically envy for sure yeah definitely and another quick shout out just a personal thing for me being out here in portland i love seeing max burnside in this match i like anytime you're gonna like i know him and Jaden are like tight so it made sense that he was going to show up there at some point but like i just i just love seeing some pacific northwest uh blood on these shows so yeah it's amazing to me how many people travel out to my to those to our city Meg. like i'm like who us like up in <laughs> up in up in 
undisclosed location backyard <laughs> like it's it's um it's really magical it's it feels like uh quite a privilege to be able to like be a bus right away from this show so right absolutely absolutely and uh <laughs> I mean there are so many people on this card that are traveling like from across the country from traveling from like the south traveling all over and I just think that's so neat Envy has an ability to like create this like um, magnetic force to bring people in and and to include everyone I mean there were people in the audience who had traveled for this show, like had traveled to just come to this backyard show, which I think is so cool. I have not met that many like Twitter wrestling friends that I hadn't met in real life since I literally like jumped on a bus to go to like Long Island to see progress in like 2018 or 2017. (laughs) Like, (laughs) like I was amazed. I met like six people who I love on the internet like in Uh, real life it was it felt like uh like summer camp or something I don't know it just was so magical absolutely no I totally agree because um and actually so Val Quartz who runs Daryl Apparel and is a is a gear maker and is a member of the Glitterati um she posted about how um she had co-hosted a couple of uh, queer inclusive gatherings before some shows um in some big major shows um all in and then she had co-hosted along with my friend lisa um y'all in in dallas before the new japan um g1 card there so i got to go to both of those and that was like meeting a ton of twitter friends all like all different identities and backgrounds and everything. It was so cool. The whole idea of just being people from wrestling Twitter who didn't fit into that like normal wrestling fan persona, um, wanting to like meet each other in person and like, and she mentioned on Twitter that like she had co-hosted these y'all ins, but MV's show is basically like, like the show version of this. So it's like, she didn't have to do anything. Like everyone was coming with that same mindset to this show. And she was totally right because I couldn't like walk a foot without being like, I know you. Oh my gosh, I know you. Hey, it's nice to see you again. I had people handing me stickers. There was a couple that had come for their anniversary and they had a tote bag full of edibles and they were just giving them to everybody in the crowd. And they're just like, hey, you want a brownie? They're, I mean, do you want their edibles? Do you want a brownie? And <laughs> like, they were getting them out. Like, we were slinging Taco Bell. Like, Val and Nico were running a table that was benefiting merch sales were all benefiting the wrestlers like it just felt like it, it felt like camp it felt like a click like, like everyone came back to camp so good it was so, it was so good, good. <laughs> it's so, it so fun I, mean, I just think hours. it was it was such a testament to that event that like I people didn't leave like no. it started to rain and barely anyone left and like I don't think anyone would have faulted anyone for leaving but like everyone was so invested in the event in the main event that like everyone was like why would we leave i was strongly tempted there was a there's a point in which like i was like it is raining i am cold but more importantly like i have a kid at home and like i would kind of like to go home and be there before bedtime but there was just no part of my brain that wanted to leave before the main event i was like i can't leave before the main event i can't i can't it's ziggy like can't and I mean, that makes me sound like a horrible, I'm just realizing that makes me sound like a horrible mom. <laughs> <laughs> there 
was another parent at the house. Exactly. One you parent can time. handle it. He was very well cared for. Okay. Anyone listening to this, he's very well cared for. I've seen him in person. I know. I know he's yes, very well cared for. He looks very healthy, full of energy and life. So don't sweat it. But yeah, so I, I think that's just like a and, and nobody I was with, none of the people I was gonna give a ride home to were were like itching to leave or being like, hey. Are we thinking about leaving early? Like, no one, because who wants to leave early even when it's raining? Like from a vibe, the vibes stay good. The vibes like held up. And that's something because I've been at really long shows where that was not true. Like good indoor big major shows where like, you know, you're four hours in and you're like, I'm going to die if this continues. Morale is low. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I won't, I won't name any names. Uh, cough, cough, ROH, New Japan and Madison Square Garden. Cough, cough, cough. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> hey, that was a show that was worth staying for the main event too. It's just, you had to make it through a, through a ladder match that would never end ever. I think it's still going on in some other universe. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Yens. Thank you so much for tuning in to LGBT in the Ring. Uh, we'll get right back into the thick of things, but I do want to take a pause real quick and say thank you to some amazing people that make this show as rad as it is. Starting off with Daniel Quasar, the Progress Pride Black designed by Daniel Quasar is a product of Progress Initiative. You can find out more at quasar.digital. A big thank you to Sarah in the Safe Word for the show's theme song, Formula 666, off the album Red Hot and Holy. You can find them on Twitter at STSW Band, and you can check out their music on both Spotify and Bandcamp at sarahinthesafeword.bandcamp.com. Um, check out independentwrestling.tv for the best in current and classic independent pro wrestling, including live events from top independent promotions worldwide. Uh, you can use our promo code LGBTRingPod or visit tinyurl.com slash IWTVLGBT and get a five-day free trial and peruse their entire library uh, over there at independentwrestling.tv. Once again, promo code LGBTRingPod or go to tinyurl.com slash IWTVLGBT and get five days free. Check out that service. Uh, you can follow the show on Twitter at LGBT RingPod. You can follow me on Twitter at WonderboyOTM. And if you're into video games, definitely check out my video game news show, the Mr. Video Game Super Show. I co-host that with uh, Twitch streamers Slacker Kite and Lady Merwin every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific over on twitch.tv slash deadsunentertainment. Uh, it's your weekly roundup of gaming news, uh, and it's always a blast. So once again, check that out every Monday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific over at twitch.tv slash deadsunentertainment. Sun like the star. We'll be right back with more LGBT in the ring. Well, um, there were a couple of other like moments that I, that I wanted to hit that stood out to me as well from from this show, and one that you alluded to earlier, M, with the um, the birth of uh, Athron Amada, mm -hmm. the former Xavier Faraday, obviously like winning his final match under that name against Yoya earlier in the afternoon, attacking Lee Moriarty after lose after his loss to Charles Mason, and really unveiling this much like how we talked about with Ali a completely new side to to him a completely new identity in a way and one that feels very much more authentic in a way to him especially considering 
some of the things that he's had to weather in the past few months and really shaking the idea of who is Xavier Faraday and does he truly need to exist? How did that moment um, land for, for y'all? I'll start with, uh, with, with them actually. Oh, um, I felt like it was a natural evolution of his character. I felt like it was a necessary break for him. Um, and I don't know him personally, but just having an understanding of like what he's had to go through in the last couple of months and um, having to kind of re-examine his place in wrestling and what he's going to do moving forward, considering everything. Um, I think this makes total sense of timing. And to dovetail into this moment with Lee, I think is really a, a really good timing um, because all the points he made, you know, my favorite thing with a heel, like anytime anyone does any kind of heel turn or betrayal, the one of the best things that they can do is say things that are true or say things that have like a ring of truth to them because you want to be like shaking your head but also being like but is he right and i think that the way he calls out lee in that moment is really feels authentic and feels right to the audience there's an intensity to it and emotion that feels like i mean obviously it's part of the kayfabe but i feel like it's almost like he's getting to work out the like personal and emotional issues that he may be like feeling internally like in real life through getting to work this angle with Lee. And I think that's beautiful. I, I think like any kind of, whenever wrestlers can get catharsis while also bringing something electric into the ring, I mean, that's just magic. That is always magic. Yeah. And I mean, that moment landed even for people that have no context of like the character changes, the like team changes, like that moment was like shocking for the crowd like the whole energy changed right like everyone's like already like you know fuck this horrible villain that just won and then to have him run into the ring and cut this promo everybody was like <gasps> like yeah. it was like a very genuine like shock and dismay so i thought it was executed really really well and i did not see it coming he stood in front of me and like watched the match and i like oh, wow made a joke and he like was like just like chilling and laughing and then like as soon as he like dove into the ring I was like son of a bitch like I just truly I did not see it coming at all so I definitely worked myself into a shoot there but uh it it was really it was a really impressive uh just like display of character work I'm really excited to see what he does going forward yeah same yeah. Also, like Lee is the perfect baby face to like oh. build a heel character off Forget of. It. Like, yeah. are you kidding me? Like anyone who is gonna go against Lee, like Lee is great, and that he's gonna make them look like a million bucks too, because mm -hmm. he is the perfect baby face to build your heel off of. Yeah, I've I've seen him work in so many different promotions now. I've seen him work against like people of like super high level, like veteran talent, and I've seen him work against like total like newbies, like you know trainees. And every time, there's something to to walk away from. There's something to remember, and it's 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 exciting to see him as the IWTV champ for the same reason as it's exciting to see lots of the people who've had that role because IWTV championship allows them to, to take it to so many different promotions and work so many different angles and feuds with so many different people. And Lee is such a good person for that, but you're right. Like that wholesome energy works wonders when it's coupled with some, with against a, a more like, 
gives any kind of heal energy, whether it's someone like Charles Mason or someone, um, someone after Mamata. Okay, because I, yeah. I, I keep saying it wrong and I don't want to say it wrong. I think Lee can really do no wrong in this way. Like any, any way that this goes, it's going gonna, it's gonna to look really good for both guys. For sure. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Well, obviously our show here is called LGBT in the Ring for a reason. We like to highlight uh, LGBTQ talent that are on these shows. Obviously, with a show that has a pansexual offense wrapped around the <laughs> combines, you're going to have plenty of LGBTQ representation on the card. Obviously, Edith Surreal, Eel O'Neal, outstanding match, which this show was proud to sponsor, by the way. Um, yes. Um, obviously, Jared Evans coming out uh, for his second Polyam Cult party and taking down Boom Harden in what I believe was one of Boom's first matches back after a, a long layoff, too. Um, so that was good to see him. But the moment that stood out the most to me, obviously, there were, there were more. I mean, MV, so many other people. But the moment that stood out to me the most personally was the four-way with uh, Don't Die Miles. Um, because his story is one that has just been amazing to watch over the, the, the early part of this year, you know, with him coming out on national coming out day in October as pansexual and being very chill, low key about it in the way that he is low key about everything except for drinking water in his life and on social media. Um, and just like, but then slowly realizing that like you can take more ownership of your identity in so many ways to the point where on this show he comes out with the pansexual pride flag draped around him mm -hmm. and a, in a, a sign of pure like jubilance coming to the ring for this match against Josh Fuller, Facade, and Jaden. Talk, did, how did that? How did that moment land for for y'all? Like, how, what did that? What did that kind of invoke for you to see Miles embracing himself in that way? It's truly magical. The community that has been built out particularly I think around these shows and just the friendships that a lot of people have made with their fellow wrestlers and so there's something so magical about seeing someone be their full self in the ring as a performer as a person and so the minute Don't Die Miles came out of the curtain like there was just this huge burst of energy and people were so excited. And like, there was just this almost like, uh, it was just like this unstoppable joy. And I think that that is the power of this community that they've built. Like so many LGBTQ wrestlers are reaching out to each other and like building this coalition rather than creating some type of competition. Like it's a very all ships rise mentality. Mm -hmm. And so that gives those performers the opportunity to have a moment like that where they can just celebrate who they are and there's no baggage attached to it. It's just blissful. And it was so blissful. Like it was so, so like I, my face hurt from smiling at that event. And that was like one of those moments where I just was like grinning ear to ear. You couldn't see it because I had a face mask on, but um, <laughs> my eyes were really squinty. So that's how you could tell that I was smiling. Um, but yeah, it was, I don't know about UM, but for me, it was just like, it was so jubilant. Mm -hmm. That was a really just like, just 
balls to the wall, fun, fun, fun match in general. Oh, and yeah. I, there were so many great moments with, um, we were, we were right up by the ring as everyone was, cause it's a backyard. Everyone's in the ring. But like at one point, like Josh floors on the ground next to us, facades in the tree. And like, all we're doing is we keep looking for miles. We're just looking for miles everywhere because um, entering in such a way, like, I, I feel like he's just got that wonderful presence. Like every time I see him, I want to see more of him. And it's so great to see him like really owning his talents and owning himself. And I think every bit comes forward and comes through as he's, as he's wrestling. Um, everyone looked great at this match, but like, he definitely was the, the person that like where once he entered, you wanted to keep following him no matter where he went. And I think that that, you know, comes with having, having embraced so much of himself and feeling more comfortable in his own skin. Um, it's, it's only working wonders for his wrestling. So yeah, I really like miles. I think he's great. (laughs) And not to be like, not to be like mom about it, but like, he's adorable. (laughs) He's adorable. (laughs) I find him so cute. I'm just like, I want to give you a hug. You're so cute. (laughs) No, it's, it's like, I'm, I'm with you. I'm like this match. It's the match itself was like one of the most, like in terms of just like, looking purely at the wrestling of it was one of the more um, exciting and just off the wall contests on the card. And I think it's interesting to note that like, at least in my opinion, the two matches that had that um, or two of the three matches that had that um, like top wrestling moment for the show featured two people who were like really just starting to come into their embracing of their LGBTQ identity Obviously, you had Miles in this match, um, where I I pray for his knees. I hope he's okay. Um, yes, but you also had um, our Haas match of the day with uh, Chase Holiday and Mister Grimm coming out in his pansexual pride gear. Um, I don't. I just. My God, like I know Darnell will not will kill me if i don't just say the big meaty man slapping meat line here is <laughs> that i mean that's what this match was really but um it just i don't know it there was just something special about seeing grim on on this stage because like we're coming off of wrestlemania week where we had all these big celebrations of lgbtq identities on so many places and if you weren't paying attention beyond just the game changer shows or the IWTV shows, you wouldn't have known that Grimm was in Tampa too. And that Grimm had one of the better matches um, from the weekend against Timmy Lee Retton on a show for a promotion that has a much smaller um, like amount of eyes on it down there. Um, so having him come back and have this spot to show everyone what he can do now that he obviously he was good before but him fully embracing himself and putting himself out there in the same way that miles was it's it's truly something special to see yeah yeah i mean i think that too one of the things that like several years ago the first time i interviewed effie we had a really long discussion about how we would be truly excited the day that you could have a villain who was openly queer and wasn't, but that wasn't why they were the villain, right? Mm-hmm. And like Mr. Grimm is such a good example of that. He's like 
powerful. He's confident. He's sure of himself. Like he knows who he is and he's like not afraid to show that off. But like, that's not why you don't like him. You don't like him because he puts people in body bags and he's scary as fuck. Like it's like that kind of thing. Like he, he has that power to create this really sinister character and so it's exciting because it just shows the range of the lgbtq talent there um because don't get me wrong i love a baby face but like who doesn't love just like a delicious villain and like what is mr grim if not just a delicious villain (laughs) i love i mean i I love heels i am all about the heels and you know i want to root for the good guys but i i can't i just think it's so much fun and um friend of mine who's like a long time like veteran of the biz like he he always comes back to the fact that like heels direct the story and heels tell you the story that like is they they make the story that you're seeing the the faces fill it out and they offer their own counterpart to it but the heels really like build that story and i think in this match against chase holiday like that's really that's very true. Like Mr. Grimm was responsible for like the menace and the intimidation and the actual like kind of intensity in this match and like the actual like storytelling. That being said, um, this is a beef battle all the way and um, I'm for it because for me, I want hoss fights all day, every day, all day, all, all night. Hoss fights of every, of every gender, of every type. Hoss fights to the morning, to the night, to the noon, <laughs> to the wall. I... I, when the minute like after <laughs> when both guys were in the in the ring I was just like all right it's on now it's a hoss fight we are officially on <laughs> you next time you gotta turn a uh start a big boy season chant oh my god big boy season. Yes. I should have made we had a lot I'll of signs with us we should we had a lot of signs with us but we did not have a big boy season sign and we should have had a big boy season sign I'll bring one to the next event as well. So we'll have, we'll have a couple. Yeah. We made so many signs. We had a boo and a yay sign that would have been like coming so handy, except that Darius Carter destroyed it after the first match. And so good old we, Darius. like, it's a good old Darius. So we were I'm scared to it. ever work with him because I boo him openly at, at several wrestling events. <laughs> and I'm like, it's not personal he was well no but it, but you're doing the right thing you boo the heel wrestler it was like the same thing with like charles mason i started this eat the rich chant i'm like if i ever have to work with this man also though just side note like not important at all at one point he was just like standing Danding on this little on side roof. roof and like not only was that creepy but i was like this house is borderline condemned. I did not sign Don't up to watch roof. this man die today by falling two stories. Like, I- please climb oh. back in the window. It's no secret that this house, the actual house that belongs to this land is like a trap house, like like not, not finished. In, there's nothing, like this house is not a house. Like it's not a livable house. Like no one's staying in this house um so i saw him up there too and i was like 10 bucks as he falls through that roof right now because that roof is 100 percent brought it through there were no steps leading up to the porch like two days before like someone had to come build the steps yep it's like that that'll be the last time that show is there 
that's yeah. the last um because the house is about to go on the market and i'm it's probably gonna go for a lot of money <laughs> even though it's a husk of a home but yeah. uh just that raw energy from the polyam call parties there will be enough to propel the yeah. market value exactly. yeah really you're yeah boosting, really you're boosting realty uh, rates it's filled with like queer pheromones like people yes. are just gonna flock 100 percent. you know this this time next year it's gonna be owned by this like you know cozy lesbian couple and they're raising their goats in the backyard they yes. love the pansexual fence they've kept it up mm-hmm. yes <laughs> that's the only way this can go i really hope so <laughs> is that the house you bought Meg? surprise surprise just kidding <laughs> just kidding would have been very on brand. Oh <laughs> so I bought the Polyam oh Mansion. <laughs> a bunch of possums live in it, but <laughs> we're gonna make sure that they can continue to live there even after we move in. You're gonna ethically rehome them. Yes. yes. <laughs> so, well, you'll train you... them as your possum army. I'm it's sorry. You're no, there. you're fine. I am here for a possum army. <laughs> I, I grew up in the South. Like, what do you think possum armies originated? <laughs> Come on next, now. Next year, polyam cult possum party. <laughs> Book it. Book Bring it. the furries. Is that is that animal cruelty? If you have if you have possum wrestling, I think they like it. <laughs> I think they like wrestling. As long as hey, if it's consensual, <laughs> like, they're getting paid. There you go. There you go. <laughs> we pay we pay a fair wage. <laughs> <laughs> Fair wages for possum wrestlers. True. <laughs> this is very fitting for where I was going to take the conversation next because from one ridiculous idea that is beautiful to another ridiculous idea that is beautiful as we start to wind down on the show here, Pancane. Look, we've known about the Bundertaker for a long time and he has been mm-hmm. a personal favorite of everyone in this house, all of the houses, or at least should be, but Pancane, I need to know, I need to know where this idea came from and why no one thought of it until now. Because it is, ah, I so good. I couldn't believe it. I literally said no. And Punky, my bandmate, was like crying laughing. And I was like, <laughs> this is unbelievable. This is unbelievable. I was losing my mind. That was another great like comedy match too. Just like the way those two teams played off of each other. Oh my god! But Pancane and Undertaker, they have to just stay that way. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, they have they like they have a team name and everything. The, the brothers of digestion. Like you can't go back from that. It's true. You can't go back from that. You can't. I came I came home and I was recapping the show to my partner and I was like, and then there was a match, a tag match featuring the Bundertaker and Pancade. And he was like, of course. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, this is why you don't get to come. <laughs> of course. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Oh. It's just, it's just that good. remix is lit oh my it's god so yes good. every time that hits i'm just like i i jump out of my fucking chair <laughs> oh like, I'm, I'm at home jumping off my couch whenever that shit we, hits 
like if we before we wrap this can we just like give a shout out to to washington because yes we were gonna get to washington okay because i I do not want to miss that because um i have i've watched shows on streams where there were interludes like burlesque performers or comedians or various things i don't think i've seen one with a drag performance specifically and i thought she killed it especially considering that like it was a stacked card it was starting to get kind of drizzly and cold out and like that's a hard spot to be in when you are essentially like in an intermission act and i thought she did great and that's not just because i love drag and i also love Nicki minaj um i am biased in that way though it's true (laughs) No, seeing seeing Washi on this show was was great, especially considering that we're seeing more and more of the trend of having drag and wrestling implemented with one another. You know, obviously, like Envy was part of that in a way already with Uncanny Attractions and all their drags and dropkick shows ahead mm-hmm. of this. So it makes total sense that it would make its way here. But we saw this, we saw the integration on the first Butcher versus Gore event where we had drag kings performing prior to the mm-hmm. show going live there. And then you had at the, the first big gay brunch in Indianapolis. You know, Effie, oh, that's right. Effie had right. Right. drag performances intermission there too. So like we're seeing more and more of this integration and it fits to a T, especially knowing, you know, Washi's connection to pro wrestling too, in that way. And just basically just making her her own path now in that way. It's just it was awesome to see. She's so talented at what she does, and I cannot wait to see her pop up on more wrestling shows she needs to pop up on more wrestling shows more wrestling shows should have drag performers as intermission because man it marries so well i think that lots of people smarter than myself have made these points and i will not go through them but like (laughs) dragon wrestling marry very very well and um there is so much kinship there and the audience is so game for so much that wrestling provides that i feel like there's just a natural transition for like an interest in drag and a drag performance like that. I think she timed it really well too. Like in general, it was, it was done with efficiency. It was done with like maximum effect and um, it gave you everything you wanted without like going on longer than it probably should have considering how long the card was. And I think I popped the whole day, despite all the things that happened, I'm not ashamed to admit that I popped hardest when she did the rap from the song monster because i love that and i know three raps by heart and that's the one rap uh, that's one of the three nikki nikki minaj's part in monster that i know by heart because it's so freaking good. i am unfortunately dancing on the hard cam <laughs> I'm, we are not on the hard cam and i'm behind a mask so you cannot see how much i'm mouthing along which is a good thing because that's embarrassing but i will admit but i popped really really hard I quote that I quote that rap to my child every day because I tell him I'm gonna eat his brains. Like <laughs> I I quote, like I love that rap so much. Kanye can get fucked, but I do love that <laughs> rap. And Washi did it so so well. Now super big props to her. I thought it was really well yeah. um, really well done, especially given like the hard spot that was put in. Washi is just like so charismatic. Um, her saying that Tommy Dreamer is her dad made me laugh so fucking hard. I was like dying. Um, but yeah, I, I love it. I love the combination of dragon wrestling. A great illustration of how they're the same thing is that the other day I texted my friend who trained, uh, at a pro wrestling school. I said, 
do you think I could learn how to do a death drop? And he literally said, it's a back bump, but with this, and then gave me the step-by-step instructions of how to safely do a death drop by using wrestling terms. So there's that. You love to see it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, my last question for for y'all, coming out of this show, um, what is the the thing that stuck with you the most and what do you see uh, or what are you most excited for whenever we do eventually get the fourth polyam cult party i think that this event was like an elevated version of the polyam cult party too and Mm -hmm. i think it's like setting a blueprint for what could be a really awesome accessibility format going forward having these like live events that you also stream on twitch um and like having the venmo up and like putting in the chat like tips for wrestlers because like you know getting to a location can be really hard for people geographically disability wise things like that um but i'm so excited for these events to be open to even more people because the impact is huge like every Mm -hmm. single person who comes to these keeps coming back to them and like more people are coming to them and so I feel like it will be really magical to be able to share this with more and more people because in terms of like getting people in the door who maybe aren't like hardcore wrestling fans like I have only brought people to these events that are not into wrestling or like don't actively watch wrestling and they leave being like these are my people wrestling is the world (laughs) like I love this and I never want to miss an event like this again and so Mm -hmm. I think that that is that's the power of the polyam cult baby uh (laughs) and so I definitely am really excited to see what's next and how this community continues to grow because it's got some magic to it. Yeah, absolutely. I think what sticks with me so so much is how sustained the good vibes were in this whole thing. Like, because this was a, a big endeavor for MV to put on. And sometimes when people, when a, a lot of people have to do something in a fairly like condensed period of time and put something together, the technical errors and the things that can pop up that are obstacles can make the event kind of feel run like it, it can make it feel like it's running slow or it can make it feel like it's bogged down by these issues or it can make it feel like everybody is is a little disheartened and running at low energy because of it but that wasn't the case with us like they rolled with the punches and they kept going and they did not we did not see the sweat unless you know you count like people sweating as they <laughs> wrestle like you you saw the love and the hard work and the camaraderie and you saw the crowd like getting into it no matter what the weather was doing and no matter like how long they had been there i mean this is a six hour show like this was six hours we yeah. were there for six hours i like wrestle kingdom isn't that long like wrestlemania <laughs> is not that long i don't think maybe it is I'm not, not sure. anymore <laughs> not anymore well yeah because that was two notes um <laughs> so like six hours man and yet after like upon leaving even though it was like my feet are cold and I'm I'm looking forward to like a hot drink at home like I would have I would have stayed for another hour I totally would have I think that that really speaks wonders on the people behind this and like everybody around it and not to give like the audience the spotlight here but like 
I think it's really cool to go to a wrestling show where like everybody is kind of game for whatever. And like, you can feel like no matter who you're talking to, you're not going to be dealing with somebody who's like, you know, looking down upon the wrestlers who are newer than the older wrestlers or looking down upon this as a backyard show or like whatever. Like I keep seeing, not trying to see them, but I keep seeing tweets about the show, like looking at GIFs and video clips and tweets from people who are like your more traditional wrestling fans, I guess, or your more traditionally online wrestling fans anyway, like picking apart things or saying things that are just blatantly untrue or like making like criticisms that like are completely misguided. And it's like, at some point you just don't, this isn't for you. Like this, it is okay. Like there's lots of wrestling for you. You've got lots of wrestling to pick from. Wrestling is this beautiful smorgasbord where everybody gets to choose what they want and you do not have to eat what you don't want. But this is definitely not for you. Everybody in that crowd that day, it was for them. It was for the roster and it was for the people behind the scenes and it was for the people in the audience. It was for everyone. And you could tell that, you could feel that. Now that leads in perfectly to, to like what I took away from this show or the two things rather, um, because um, for those that stuck around to watch the stream after the final match, J-Rose, his words at the end of this show um, were piercing in so many ways because mm-hmm. like, yeah, it's right. Like the re- the majority of the pro wrestling audience or that sector of the pro wrestling audience, I don't even know if it's the majority anymore because they're insufferable, but um, the, that sector of the pro wrestling audience is not going to engage with this with a clear head and an open mind in the same way that our section of the wrestling audience is going to engage with their side of it and bring more nuance to it in many ways, honestly. And the fact that Jay Rose put it all out there in only the way that he can, talking about how, you know, pro wrestling, we want pro wrestling to be for everyone. Maybe it's not, but it's okay if it's not because we, everyone here has each other and we're not going to let this like die we're going to keep making this sustainable and and survive and creating what we want to see this industry be. And that hit home. Like we're just watching the entire card and then having that to punctuate it just like nailed that message um, really, really hard for me. And then also the fact that you had a show where let's face it, LGBTQ pro wrestling has its heavy hitters that draw uh, people to these shows you know there's a reason why Effie has the big gay brunch Billy Dixon another outstanding talent that's running the things with Butch versus Gore and his own you know Billy Dixon joints and a stellar main event at the big gay brunch Envy um, Young is a heavy hitter in, in this area and you know he was the only one on this show this show had no Effie this show had no Billy Dixon Mm-hmm. And yet it still carried itself in to such a high stratosphere. This show trended number four nationwide. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's bonkers. Yes. <laughs> um, to think that a show in a backyard of a Pittsburgh trap house is trending number four and drawing thousands of people to watch it on Twitch mm-hmm. and to show all these different audiences of pro wrestling, what pro wrestling can be with so many names that don't have the same name recognition that pull in crowds like Effie does, but still have the ability to connect with those people. And it was just mm-hmm. amazing to see so many people in this card showcase that ability in the way that they did. And it was just, I, I, I'm going to keep going for, for 
too long here <laughs> if I if I keep talking. So it was just amazing. It was just amazing. So and also, I eat, sorry. Shout out. No, you're good. I was gonna say also huge shout out to Jay Rose for being one amazing at ring announcing, but two being so sweet to bring Edith back so that my partner Lee could give her flowers <laughs> because that was like a very special moment. And like J Rose did not have to do that. Did not have to like go out of the way to like make that moment happen. And J Rose did. So very appreciative of that. Definitely. Definitely. Well, that was the third poly M cult party. M Meg, thank you so much for taking the time. Let everybody yeah. know where they can find you online. Meg, you first. Oh God. So for the time being, you can find me on Twitter at glitter X goblin. Ooh, I almost gave my old handle. I forgot. I forgot. Ooh. I went incognito. Um, uh, glitter X goblin on Twitter where I just, um, I just talk about wrestling and, um, destroying capitalism. Best place to find me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you can find me on Twitter at Forked PGH, F-R-K-E-D PGH. You can find Great and Glitter, our podcast, at a Great Glitter Pod on Twitter. And uh, please find us on the podcatcher of your choice because we um, have just officially split from the PW Torch amicably. Um, we wish them well in their future endeavors. But we are... Um, we are setting sail on our own course and uh, striving to be independently accessed, which means that now you can find us on Apple and Spotify and um, all the other places where you find your podcasts. And please find us and subscribe because we are delivering every week the best in women's wrestling and the best in, in all the things that independent wrestling can offer, including the Polyam Cult Party 3. So we're really excited about the things that we have upcoming in our projects. And yeah, we want you to be a part of it. So find us like us we like you awesome well thank you both thank you thanks you it was so much fun thanks for having us back or having me back having Meg for the first time <laughs> <laughs> this was the best way to spend my friday night my thanks once again to M and Meg for coming on the show and spending part of their day with me just giggling and reminiscing and um just Taking it all in for the second time, third time, however many times we need to. Everything from the Polyam Cult Party 3. Um, obviously, there's a lot of anticipa anticipation for the fourth one. But we, um, at least I'll speak for myself, we are patient. And, <laughs> and I know that um, after such a big event, MV probably needs a little bit of a break and a pizza. So take that break take that pizza we will all be here waiting for the next one and we we honestly can't wait so it's, it's going to be awesome whenever it does happen um but until then we have a nearly six hour show um with so many amazing moments on it to go back and, and relive if we need to in the interim um and i highly suggest anybody that hasn't seen the show definitely go check it out it's up on demand on twitch.tv slash go professional wrestling so definitely check all of that out but that is going to bring us to the end of this week's show we will be back next week with a, another stellar interview i we believe i believe we announced it uh, earlier um this week next week we have the notorious angel amber joe uh, the historic 
trans female wrestler from over in the UK. Uh, the first trans woman ever signed, uh, or to compete, rather, under the RevPro banner. Um, so that is going to be an outstanding conversation. Come back next week for that. Go watch Polyam Cult Party 3 if you haven't. Twitch.tv slash GoProfessionalWrestling. Um, go to Daryl Apparel, buy the posters, go to Glitter's new Patreon and support them as well as they start their journey as an independent pro wrestling podcast. Uh, it looks like they got a lot of stuff, cool stuff lined up there. But um, until then, y'all stay messy, wash your hands, wear your mask. A heartfelt happy birthday to my partner, KC. And please, 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 do not bring Mitch McConnell to your wrestling shows, you fuckers. Bye!